My name is Todd Cranford. Uh, myself and my family have been at NBC for around 12 years. Don't hold me to that. My wife's not here today to check me on that. Today's reading is uh, from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Y'all can have a seat. Welcome, church. What a great and beautiful weekend, no? Man, the weather is amazing, incredible. And uh, it is uh, with excitement that I'm here with you today because this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, and he gives us great blessings. And this weather is certainly one of those. I had a great blessing yesterday to be uh, with some of our women in our women's ministry uh, to uh, talk about the issue of inerrancy. And uh, wow, what a, what a delightful time to uh, be able to share with them and get interaction uh, with them about that important uh, issue, the inerrancy of Scripture and sufficiency of Scripture. And so uh, what a delight. Uh, thank you, ladies, for letting me be a part of that and share with you. And, and uh, that was great. Just a neat time. Well, we get into God's Word. We're going to be looking at Hebrews 11.6, right? And so I want us to think about this in relationship to our, our overall theme of follow me. This idea of following me is an, an exciting thing, actually. It's a very important thing. It's, uh, it's a thing that gives our life meaning is that we follow Christ, that we follow him wherever he goes. And we're, we were singing a song, but actually a song that's a prayer that he would give us his heart. We want his heart. That's something that we need to delight in. That's something that's a, that's a, a desirable thing to have, that we have his heart. And what that means is, if we're going to have his heart, we need to learn to follow him. Follow him wherever he goes, wherever he leads, we will go with him. That's a scary proposition, right? He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men to the disciples. They had no idea what they were going to get involved in, right? They, they, were, they were looking at, at, at uh, his life and they thought, well, I just want to be around him. Whatever he's about, I want to be a part of it. And he invited them to be with them and they followed. Never did they know all the things that they were going to face. The scary times, the rejection that they would face because they were associated with him. Peter felt that so strongly on the last day. Uh, night he denied Christ three times I mean he must have been scared to death he must have been afraid there are these fearful times and yet God still used him in an incredible way and so we need to remember that as we follow him what that means is we got to see where he's going we got to watch and see where he leads how can we follow if we don't know where he's going how he's leading us and yet, where he goes sometimes is rare places for us, scary places. We think about the fact that when we first receive Christ as our Savior, he offers, he invites us to, to receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And so if we just simply respond by believing in him, 
we have eternal life. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, drink from me. He, he tells us and invites us into salvation, this great salvation that he has. But he also invites us to something further, and that's to follow him. That we live by faith. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians says. And so that we choose that for our lives. We choose that direction for our lives. We choose to follow. Not to just know, but to follow. I always love the uh, movie First Night where uh, King Arthur is sitting around the table with his knights and, and he says, he has, they have this prayer and they all say it together. God, give us the wisdom to know the right, the will to choose it, and the strength to make it endure. I've always loved that prayer. That second part of it, the will to choose it, that we see what the right is and we have the will to choose it. That's a huge step because sometimes we can talk ourselves out of following Christ in that second step. Because we'll tell God no. We'll tell Jesus no. We'll say, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I've got somebody else that, uh, you know, look at my wife. I mean, she can do this, right? Uh, look at my husband. Uh, he can do this. This is, he's really good at this. Uh, I'm not so much. And we find ourselves making excuses for not stepping out. And yet when we do step out, as we saw in this passage before us in Hebrews 11, it says that he rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who follow him, who draw near to him. Because after all, that's what it's talking about. It says, it says uh, he rewards those who seek him. And right before that, he says, for whoever would draw near to God. So this idea, the overarching idea here in Hebrews 11, we think of it as a, as a verse on faith. And I, and I memorized it. It was one of the first verses I memorized as a young believer in 1972. Uh, I memorized this passage, this verse. And I've always seen it as a verse on faith. As I was thinking about this week, it's a verse on drawing near. It's a verse on seeking him. And in fact, we see that, uh, that it points back to uh, chapter 10. In chapter 10, we see uh, in verses 19 through 25, the outline of the book of Hebrews. You want to know what Hebrews is about? Look at 19 to 25 in Hebrews chapter 10. And he talks about this, he reviews what he just talked about in verses 19 to 21, where he says, therefore, brothers, in other words, therefore, based on what I just been talking about for the first nine chapters and, and the first part of chapter 10, he says, therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, so I, he's reviewing what he just talked about. He just talked about those things, about who Jesus is. Then he says three times, let us, let us, and let us. Let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider. Verses 22, 23, and 24. These three things. And those three things are actually the next three chapters. Because he talks about faith, hope, and love. Let us draw near with a true heart, verse 22, in full assurance of faith. So there's faith. 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. There's hope. 
And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. So he gives us the outline. And then the very next chapter, right after he says, let us draw near with a true heart, verse 22, in full assurance of faith, he talks about what? Faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Oops, he gets two of them in there, right? It's faith and hope. For the conviction of things not seen, but we see the whole chapter is talking about faith. And so you go back to 22 and he's saying, here's what I'm going to be talking about. Drawing near. A true heart, full assurance of faith. And then he goes in our, in our chapter in Hebrews 11 and he says, whoever would draw near. So you see that strong connection between those two things. You see the strong connection between belief. He says he must believe. And these two things, that he exists and he's a rewarder. And so you realize he's been, he's leading up to this. This idea of drawing near, of following him, is what's in view. And what I found is, is that we can do a lot of the spiritual life and, and, and check off all the boxes. Uh, quiet time today, yes. Uh, spend time in the word, yes. Uh, 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 love my family, yes. Uh, pray over meals, okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, we can check the boxes, right? And we do all these religious things. But what's the purpose of those things? It's to draw near. It's to get close to him. And here's what I found. I can do all of those things and not draw close to him. I can go through all the motions and not get close. And when we do that, and we all can do that, what happens is, is that I begin to see Jesus in just a functional way. Okay, I, I need you, uh, uh, Jesus, here's, here's the checklist. Here's the things that I need you to do for me. And I want you to say yes to all. And I just go ahead and click that now, right? I mean, that's what we want from him. And he's saying, no, I want you to follow me. I want you to trust me. And we're going, uh, that's not the way I want it to work, Lord. Yeah, that's the way he wants it to work. And so we begin to follow him as he leads us. We talked about that in Galatians chapter 5. That we want to, the, the spirit leads us. We need to walk in the spirit, keep in step with the spirit. That's what following him means. It means walking with him. And when we do that, we're blessed. We're rewarded, it says here in this passage. And that we must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so as I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking about how uh, we've been praying for Operation Christmas Child. And, and we've been praying for these 15 boxes on my mirror or on Susan's mirror uh, uh, in our bathroom. It, it has a, one of the brochures for Operation Christmas Child and on it it has 1,500. She's been praying for that for this whole year. God, give us 1,500 because 1,500 boxes means 1,500 kids. And every box impacts 10 people, which means 15,000 people are impacted by those 1,500 boxes. Which means the kid themselves, their families, maybe brothers and sisters, their families, uh, their aunts, uncles, and that kind of thing. Uh, their church, their pastor, they get training. They get materials in order to have Bible studies and see people come to Christ. I mean, it's just amazing the, 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 the structure that's there and the opportunities that are there for the gospel to go forth. Well, in order to fill 1,500 boxes, you got to have a lot of stuff, Right? And so for the whole year, this Operation Christmas Child for her starts, uh, I think the Relay Center is over on uh, Monday, or not this Monday, but the next Monday. And then uh, her year for the next year starts Tuesday, 
<laughs> and she starts looking for stuff for the boxes for the next year. And so, you know, it takes a lot of stuff. And so this, this uh, last week, she went to, the, uh, uh, to Petco because they said they were going to give away some stuffed animals. And she thought, I wonder if I can get a few stuffed animals for our, you know, boxes. I mean, she knows where all the deals are. I mean, you want to know where the deals are, just talk to her. She knows deals. And, and uh, there are these, these uh, so she goes to Petco and she says, tells them what she needs them for. And he says, well, uh, we can give you these two bags, but would you like more? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sure. I mean, they gave her two bags of, of these, these. And, and so uh, that we have a picture. Uh, here's a picture of the uh, animals, the stuffed animals, uh, what they look like. And of course, they're kind of big for a box, right? And so you, you have to kind of wad them up pretty good to get them in there and put a rubber band on them. But I mean, and then they gave her 10 garbage bags full of these animals. More than she could take in her car. I had to go back with my truck. Yeah, praise God for that. Praise God for that. And all she did was ask. You, have, you don't have because you don't ask. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Talk about full joy when we, when we received all those. And just thinking, God, you provided abundantly beyond what we could think or ask. It had nothing to do with us. had everything to do with God's provision. Well, then God decided, you know, I, I want to make sure you know uh, how uh, much I love these kids and so she went to Cedar Hill because they had crayons on for 25 cents. And she was just put loading up crayons in her basket. And the lady that saw her loading up the crayons in the basket said, you know, I was wanting to mark those down more. And Susan told her what they were doing. And she says, uh, I've got a whole back room full of crayons. Would you like to have them? Oh, my gosh. I mean, wow. Abundantly beyond and we didn't even ask on the second time around. And God showed his hand. I mean, it touches me deeply. Every time I see the hand of God work. And what I found is, is when we're just simply following him and we're seeking him, we see his hand. There's two Christians side by side and one seeking him and the other is kind of going through the motions and one sees the hand of God because they just simply step out and ask a question or pray and then they see God's hand at work in ways that you could never imagine. And we get to share some of those things. Sometimes you can't share what it is that God shows you because it's very personal to someone else and so you just have to keep it to yourself. But your faith is blown away when you see God's hand at work. He wants to reward us. He wants to bless us. And not just because he wants to bless us material, materially with stuff. He wants to bless us with himself. He's the blessing. He's the joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his right hand there are pleasures forever. He is our joy. And whenever we have the opportunity one day to be with him, we will behold him in his presence. And it will be amazing to behold the beauty of the Lord. That's what he wants us to see, just glimpses of it now. Just a little bit of it now. 
And it happens when we just simply follow him. And so my encouragement is for all of us to make sure that we evaluate our hearts, that we think about that today. I don't share these things because I want to put you on a guilt trip. I share, you, share these things because I can't wait for you to experience them also. To experience the Lord in a way that is just incredible and just amazing. And so... As we look at this passage, one of the things that's kind of interesting about it is it says uh, he rewards those who seek him. And the idea, the overarching idea uh, for this morning's message is this idea of seeking God, delighting in him. Not just going through the motions of our Christian faith, but really seeking to get to know him. And that's what he wants after all. He says, many will say, uh, didn't I do this in your name and, or that in your name? And he says, get away from me. I never knew you. This idea of knowing God is, is huge. It's what, in, in John 5, 39, it says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have life, and it is these that tell of me. We search the scriptures sometimes academically. We can tell you everything about Jesus. We can, tell you all, we can tell you all about theology. We can tell you about heaven. We can scrape the Milky Ways with our prayer and we can talk to, to uh, and, and, and people go, wow, I, I want to take notes for this guy. This guy can really pray well. And, and you think, wow, and yet miss it. Miss the simple truth of knowing him. Seek him in order to know him. Seek him in order that we become close to him. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and what? He'll draw near to you. He desires, he delights in drawing near to you. He wants to be close to you. He wants a personal relationship you, with you. That's what blew me away. In 1972, I went to a non-Christian school, a state school, did not, was not looking for God. He found me, and I, it, it all started when a guy said, do you have a personal relationship with God? I had no clues to what that meant. And then I accepted Christ as my Savior three weeks later. And the amazing thing is, is and this is, this is, where, this is where I'm going with this, this idea that says seek him, right? He rewards those who seek him. But Romans 3 says, no one understands, no one seeks for God. What? Wait a minute, we're told to seek God and we're rewarded, but no one does it. Huh, kind of a problem, Right? When you see two passages like this, you think, okay, how do, I, how do I resolve this thing? Well, if you understand the outline of the book of Romans, you understand what Paul's saying. Because he's speaking about the non-believer not seeking God. He's not talking about the believer. Hebrews is talking about the believer seeking God. Because he's talking about the Christian life. And that's his focus. But it's not Paul's focus. In the first three chapters of, of Romans, he's saying... We're all sinful. We all uh, suppress the truth and unrighteousness, Romans 1. We don't seek after God, Romans 3. But, but, even though we're all sinful, Christ died for us. God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were not looking for him, we were not seeking him, we found him. In fact, that's exactly what he says in Romans 10. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. That was me. 
I wasn't seeking him. I was seeking the world when I went to UT and I found Christ. Seeking worldly life, finding Jesus. Wow. Sounds like a book title, right? In Romans, in John chapter 4, it says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now notice this next phrase. For the Father is seeking such people. He seeks after us. Augustine said he's the hound of heaven. He's the hound of heaven seeking after us. We sang about that in the first song, by the way. About God seeking after us, God desiring us. God desires to have a relationship with us, personal, intimate, close, so that we know him. That's what he desires from us. He doesn't want people who just kind of go through the motions bored because we're like, okay, God, I'll go through whatever it is you want me to. Or we say, I'm not doing that because that's pretty scary. And God's going, I'm going to go with you in this deal. Come with me. Let me show you. Let me bless you. Let you I want you to see my hand because you will be incredibly blessed as a result. And we're afraid. And we let our fear drive us instead of the will to choose following him. There was a statement I read this week, and it really was convicting. It says, the most common mistake Christians make in worship today is seeking an experience rather than seeking God. Whoa. And I had to ask myself, am I doing that, Lord? I I mean, when I see something like that that hits me, I go, Lord, am I doing that? I don't want to do that. I don't want to seek an experience. I want you. All I want is you. All I want is to be close to God. And when we're near to him, it changes things. We're never the same. And so we got to go back to this passage and think, okay, if you want us to seek you, God, what does the author of Hebrews tell us about this? He says, and without faith. He said that and. Okay, what is the and? It points back. It connects two things together and without faith. It's not just without faith. It's and without faith. And so he's pointing back to what? Verse before. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Wait a minute, that's in our passage. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. So there's a connection there. He's pointing directly back to Enoch on this idea of pleasing God by faith. And so we think about, did Enoch always have faith? He walked with God 300 years and then he was taken up because he it said he was not because he was taken up. He didn't even die. God rewarded his faith by just taking him to be with himself walking 300 years. Now here's the interesting thing. Enoch lived 365 years. What about those other 65 years? Well, apparently he didn't have any kids yet. (laughs) When Methuselah was born, it says, and then he walked with God 300 years. It's amazing how we see our weaknesses when kids come along. We go, Lord, I don't, I'm not equipped for this. I don't know what to do. You know, raising kids is kind of interesting because you're, you're someone who is a, a, a rookie when you start. And when you finally get experience, you're out of a job. <laughs> and then you get to spoil your grandkids. And so, you know, you look at that and you realize 
the, the comparison there is here he had 65 years of not walking with God, but then he had 300 years. God rewarded him by having him not die. And, and of course, just an aside on that is there were only two people in the scriptures that didn't die, he and he, uh, Elijah. And, and some have said, oh, in, in Revelation, the two witnesses must be those two that never died, Elijah and Enoch. Uh, whether that's right or not, we will, we will find out. We'll just stay tuned. Uh, hopefully we won't be here during that time of, and well, I'm correct, and we are, we're raptured up before then. But uh, we can watch from heaven, right? And so when we look at this passage, we realize he's pointing back to Enoch as here's an example of what I'm talking about. Now here's something to draw from that, and that is without faith. And we've got to stop about there. What do you mean faith? What kind of faith? What is faith? Well, he explains it in verse 1. 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So assurance, faith is assurance, hope, and conviction. What does that mean? It's not. It's not feeling. It's not hope so. It's not intellectual assent. Just intellectually knowing that something is true. It's assurance. It is hope, but a hope which enters the holy of holy. We see that in, 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 the, in, the, in, in the book of Hebrews. He tells us what kind of hope. The conviction of things not seen. I love J. Oswald Sanders in commenting on this. He says, faith enables the believing soul... To treat the future as the present. Whoa. To treat the future like it's happening right now. That we so believe that we're looking at the future and saying that's happening, that's coming about, and I change my present in order to associate or, or fix that with the future and the invisible as the seen. Which fits very well with what he says when he says he must believe that he exists. The invisible God that we cannot see, that we believe that he exists, that he is. That we must believe that. That's a, a step of faith. I can give you intellectual arguments for the existence of God. We talked about them a little bit yesterday uh, within the women's ministry event. Uh, what I call the taco the teleological, anthropological, cosmological, and ontological arguments for the existence of God, age-old arguments. And when I say those, you go, I have no idea what you just said, right? Teleological is the argument of design. If there's design, there's a designer. You look at us, you look at a little baby with little fingernails and everything, you go, wow, what an incredible design. There was a designer. And that designer wasn't just material evolution. It wasn't just energy with no intelligence, pantheism, new age. It's an intelligent being who caused all things to be. The cosmological is cause and effect. If there's an effect, which is us, there must be a sufficient cause to cause us to be. Both has power and ability and knowledge. That's not material, that's not energy, that's a personal being. These arguments for the existence of God, they won't cause you to believe. In fact, a professor of mine at seminary, Dr. Norman Geisler, said these logical arguments will only bring you to belief that, not to belief in. That step you have to take on your own. But nobody believes in something they think is stupid, and so you kind of need some intelligent 
discussion or understanding of things in order to take that step of faith. It's not taking a step of faith in spite of everything around you. It's taking that step of faith where everything in the world, all logic, all everything points to in that direction. And that's what we see in those, those arguments. And that, that when we come to this point, we must believe that he exists. We must believe that Jesus, his death applies for us. Those are steps of faith that we take. And then we must believe that he really rewards when we step out for him and when we live by faith. And so that's, it's a life-changing, a life-altering, life-changing process. That we're not just religious people who, who do nice things for people and who help the poor and we seek justice and all those things. We, it's more than those things. Yes, we do those things, but it's more than. We do those things as we walk side by side following Jesus, side by side with him as a co-laborer, following him as he leads us. And we're doing it because we want to get close to him and draw near to him. And guess what? We grow close to people a lot of times when we work side by side with them. And when we work side by side with our Lord, we're going to draw closer to him than anybody else. We're going to see his hand in ways that nobody around us see. The reason that we got to see the, uh, God's provision uh, for OCC was because we were just simply, simply following him. And he did amazing things. When I went to Tanzania, all I did was pray. In 1973, all I did. We always say, oh, all I can do is pray. That's the most important thing. We pray, and then I got 50 years later, got to see, go to Tanzania and see what God had done. Wow. Blown away. Seeing the hand of God at work. When we step out for him, he, wants to, he longs to bless us. He longs for us to see. But it, it, it's, it's a faith life. It's not a works life. It's not I'm doing life. It's, it's that I do as I believe that God's going to accomplish something meaningful with what I bring to him. And what I bring to him is nothing more than really scribble pictures like when I was a kid. And mom and dad put them on a place of honor right on the, on the refrigerator, Right? And they do that because they love you, not because the artwork is so amazing. Sorry, I don't mean to break it to you, but. <laughs> and God takes our scribble pictures that we bring, we're so proud of, and we hand them to him. And he goes, oh, well, you know. But I love him anyway. And he rewards us. It's amazing to me. Blows me away. It says it's impossible to please him without faith. And we know that's true in salvation, Right? That we must believe on Jesus so we won't perish. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's, it's a game changer we believe on Jesus. But it's a game changer if we live for Jesus, believing on Jesus as we live out our lives. And so when you look at that, you realize it's impossible to please him without faith. All the works, I can do all the works I want to do, that's not going to cut it. It's when I walk with him. Enoch just simply says he walked with God 300 years. Just walked with him. Followed him. With him. With is the key idea. Doesn't say without faith it's hard to please him. It's difficult to please him. It's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God 
must believe that he exists. And he rewards those who seek him. That word rewards is actually uh, a, a double verb stuck together in the Greek. It's two words. One means reward, the other one means to pay back. So this, it's, he says it very strongly. When you stick two words that really are synonymous and you stick them together, he does it so it's emphasis. It's saying, I don't want you to miss this. God rewards rewards. He rewards rewards. He delights in rewarding us. He delights in giving to us. He's an incredibly generous God who gives to those who would simply seek him. And we seek him by drawing near to him because he's using those phrases somewhat interchangeably because he says, uh, for whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and rewards those who seek so he's using seeking and drawing near. It's this idea of, uh, that we're seeking a personal relationship. And it's not that we're seeking. Some people have looked at this and said, oh, draw near. That means to pray. No, it's more than just it means to pray. It means that I'm getting close to him. I'm getting to know him. I'm getting to experience my God. And I think many times he leads us but we don't know him well enough to trust him. I mean, think about that. It says that in uh, Psalm 27, it talks about seeking his face. Seek the face of the Lord. Oh, Lord, your face do I seek. And I was thinking about that, seek my face. He doesn't say seek my hand. My hand of blessing or my hand of uh, provision or my hand that, that will rescue you. He says, seek my face. When you seek somebody's face, you're looking because of relationship. You're not looking to get something. You're, le- you're looking just because you love them. I read about this one lady who was, uh, uh, it was in the day when you could actually show up at the airport and, uh, and go meet your loved one as they're coming off the plane. Remember those days? Some of you do. Some of you never saw those days. You're born after 9-11 or whatever but you can still meet people at the baggage claim area right and you see these people that they're they they're walk in and they're looking through the crowd and they, and they have this just kind of blank look on their face and then they see the person they're looking for and what happens they light up you can see them light up and then they begin to move through the crowd toward one another and they hug one another excited to see each other And that's the picture that I think the Lord has when it says that we seek him, that we're looking for his face. When it says, seek my face, that we're looking for his face, that picture of intimacy, that when you're looking for somebody's face, that picture of delight and desire. I got to experience that a little bit this week. I uh, uh, had a couple of ladies come from the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, They were going to do a video shoot uh, 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 because uh, Mansfield Churches for the City got an award. And this, uh, or, or been nominated for an award, and then you got to get people to vote for you, right? And, uh, uh, and what I told her is, uh, well, I'm, I'm just telling you, we're not going to vote for us. We're going to vote for Priscilla Sanchez because uh, she is an amazing person in the city, and she's also one of the nominees. I think she should get it. And, of course, that blew her away, and so then she videotaped that, right? But when they first came in, it was two ladies. One of them was Lori Williams. I know her very well. I gave her a hug. Hey, it's great to see you. The other lady, I didn't know. I'd never met her before. And she does this. She sees me hugging Lori, but she's like, 
Very clearly, you're not hugging me. I don't know you. And I get it. I mean, I'm okay with that. I shake, shook her hand. And, and, uh, and then when we go down the hallway, what I didn't know is that she knew Greg Lingle very well because they had gone through Leadership Mansfield and in the, in the year that Greg went, she was also involved in that. And so they, every month they would, they would go different places with the rest of the team. And so he got to know all these different people and she was one of those. And so all of a sudden she lights up. Hey, Greg, it's good to see you. They talk about all this stuff animatedly. I mean, she's just smiling, beaming. She turns around, <laughs> looks at me again. <laughs> Didn't know me. And the whole time she kind of looked on me with you know, almost suspicion. I wouldn't, and, and I get it, you know. I mean, I would look at me with suspicion too. <laughs> but I experienced exactly what I think happens for many believers. For, for many of us, we're looking at God that way with suspicion. We're looking at God with this, I don't know about what you're getting ready to ask me to do. I don't know if I want to follow you. And then you have the, these other believers whose faces light up. They glow with the Lord. And you think, I long for all of us to have that, that glow of the Lord. And if you have that glow of the Lord, what's going to happen is, is other people go, I don't know what it is the Lord has done in their life, but I want some of that. Right? Because the light is shining through you. And they're seeing in a sense, the face of God, not your face anymore. That's what happened with Moses. When he spent time with God, people saw that he had been with the Lord. It was evident. When the disciples had been with Jesus and they were, they were apart from Jesus, they, one of the statements is it recognized that they had been with Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. I mean, it was something that was amazing that somehow they could tell. Somehow people can tell when you've been around Christ. And when you desire him, when you delight in him, when you light up, when you, when you talk about him. Because you know him. And it's not that hard to follow. Even when he asks you to do tough things, when you know him. And say, you know what, I, I'm, kind of, I'm pretty scared about this, Lord. I, you're asking me to do it. I know you're leading. I, I don't know if I want to do it. But you died for me. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And you step out. And then he blesses you. Wow. He delights in blessing his children. He delights in rewarding. He delights in revealing himself. You see his hand at those times when you step out and you're a little bit afraid, a little bit nervous, and all of a sudden you see this pile of stuffed animals and pile of crayons, and you're like, oh my goodness. This is a small thing, and yet it blessed our heart. What are some of the other things that God delights to do to show his hand and that it's obvious that he is the one who's doing it? I long for you to experience that. And so my, my simple statement today is seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Draw near to him. You can draw near to him by reading the word and learning about him, but then, then asking, Lord, help me to understand what you're like in regard to what well, I've just read. You can pray for five people because we know that's his heart. We're saying, Lord, give us your heart. Well, let's pray for five that's his heart. We know that's his heart. So pray for those five and pray that God would use that to change you, transform you, and help your heart to become more like his so that you reflect Christ. We have some devotionals online. I'd encourage you maybe start there and go through the book of James. We had some of our students who did some of them this week. Be sure and watch theirs. Amazing. Incredible. 
to see what God can do in our hearts when we simply follow him. Father, we come to you today and we thank you that you desire us to seek you, but you've sought us first. We found you when we didn't even seek for you. And you seek such to be your followers, those who worship in spirit and truth. Help us to be those, Lord. Help us to understand what that means. We know that we need to do it. Give us the steps, Father. Help us to understand. Help us to to begin to understand what that looks like for our life. As we follow your lead, as we get in step with the Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, as we simply look for you, simply seek you. When you make those turns that surprise us and we're not sure we want to go, help us to go. Because I know when we do, we're going to be blessed. Lord, I know that for some it might be helping out with Operation Christmas Child. For some it might be reaching their neighbor for Christ. For some it might be praying for these five and then inviting them over and just seeing what you do. Father, I know it's going to look different for each of us, but Lord, I pray that we would have stories to tell about what you have done, pictures to show. Look at this. Look at the hand of God working because you delight to reward us when we seek you. Help us to seek your face, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.